Welcome back, everyone, to Merge Conflict, your weekly development podcast. I am one of your hosts, James Montemagno, and on the other side of America, my good friend Frank Krieger. How's it going, buddy? Oh, very good, James. I am in the beautiful state of Alabama. And you know what? No tornadoes have come through, no tropical storms. I'm in a great mood. It's a good week. Nice. I am back in America, back from Poland, which was absolutely delightful. Uh, And I'm just hanging out, enjoying life over here in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. The fall is a beautiful time. We got a spike in uh, weather uh, heat. This this, is like the 60s and 70s. You know, you you just left and then it was kind of going downhill, but it it actually got really nice. (laughs) And now it's going to rain. We were driving around and there was some snow on the mountains and it was looking very pretty. I'm I am ready. I am totally good to go uh, for some snow action this winter. It seems like it's going to come. I was watching the Seahawks game today and everyone in Seattle had winter hats on. So I think it's that time of year. So are you telling me all those forest fires are finally done? It feels like those went way too far into the year this year. Driving around, it seemed like things were getting a lot better this last week. We've gotten some rain. We've gotten some things. Uh, Fingers are crossed, Frank. Fingers are crossed because it just seemed like the summer was lingering. I think we skipped fall completely. Yeah, yeah. We went straight from summer to smoky season to winter. And then I was like, I'm out of here. I'm going to the beautiful state of Alabama. And then it was cold here, <laughs> cold and rainy. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to keep calling it the beautiful state of Alabama because it is, but the weather's been terrible. <laughs> but I will actually be the foreign correspondent very soon. I'm, I'm headed off to New Zealand next week. So I'll give a new weather report next week. Absolutely delightful. Big fan of the New Zealand. I'm excited for your trip and to see how it goes. But Frank, this week it is episode 330. Now, if you are newer to the podcast, maybe you came from our good friends over the Tech Meme Ride Home. Um, Every 10 episodes, Frank and I do something a little special, a little bit of a, hey, we had a bunch of topics and uh, or news articles, and maybe they didn't fit into a full 30, 40 minutes. So we're going to give Six different topics, five minutes each. This is our lightning topics round. So if you go back into our back catalog, every 10 episodes, like clockwork, almost just about, I think this one, um, is (laughs) going to be the lightning topic. So they're fun ones and we get to time ourselves. And um, I got a good one, Frank, to kick us off because we finally got back from travel and we decided to set up our new iPhone. So Heather got an iPhone 14 pro and which means i get her iphone 11 pro which is a delightful device which means i've i've increased my number of cameras by 200 <laughs> percent, uh, which is which is pretty great uh and 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 this was an interesting one because we had to go from the physical sim card over to the eSIM on mint mobile now i'll tell you this much uh we 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 did a few things so heather doesn't sync her eye or her photos on iCloud, so she just did a new snapshot she went to the new phone. Now, this is where I made a mistake uh, because... Wait, um, wait, wait, wait. You did not listen to our last episode and all the mistakes I made? Please tell me the mistake you made was not listed among my five to ten mistakes I made. I, I Actually, Heather made and I made zero mistakes. And even the mistake I made was resolved within 30 minutes. Okay? Oh, so, I'm so jealous. Okay. Tell, tell me Heather's, how much smarter you are than me. Heather's was simple. She was already on 16.1. The new device on 16.1 is a very smooth transition. Now, she did not do the, um, there's two options when you upgrade your iPhone to a new iPhone. One is 
transfer and do an iCloud backup, or it is, um, hey, do you have your other iPhone around? Scan this magical thingy, and then it will transfer. Now, Heather did the first option, and I did the second option. So we can compare and Hmm. contrast, and I can tell you which one is better. So (laughs) she did the first option. She did her backup. She went in. She logged into her account, picked the backup, got it down, bingo, bango, totally good to go. And uh, that actually seemed to work very, very well. The only gotcha was her authenticator app. Um, mm-hmm. She needed to do a new iCloud backup of that and turn on the the sync between devices. So all of her two factor. The only the only thing you really need to worry about in phones is two factor authentication codes. Oh, yeah. Because if you don't transfer those and that happened to Heather, she almost got locked out of her PayPal account last time when we went and traded at the store because there was that. So she had to call them. There's a whole it was it was shenanigans. So um, hers went super smooth, I would say. I would say okay. almost all the apps came back down. The cool part is Mint Mobile specifically documented the process of the eSIM update. So what they said is if you're going from physical to eSIM, all you do is install the app. You go into, um, uh, there's an option in account that says change device on the new device. And then it says, do you want to transfer your physical SIM or do you want to order an eSIM? So you actually have to purchase in quote a free (laughs) eSIM. So it does it. So you say purchase eSIM and then it sends your old phone an SMS authentication. So it knows it's you ordering for your account, which is cool. And then Mm -hmm. it was done. And just like that, the old the old physical SIM was done and the new one uh, it was the eSIM and it was a flawless upgrade experience. Like she was done in probably Ugh. 30 minutes. I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. You know, Okay, so we did that whole episode on my terrible upgrade process and I hand down my phones. So on this trip, I was able to hand down my old phone to my father. My father hands down his phone to my mother. My mother hands down her phone to a friend <laughs> of the family. So I got to witness three phone transfers happen and they all happened in 30 minutes without a problem. And I just... Stood there gobsmacked because y'all heard that forty-minute episode of me complaining about all the errors, and here we we did like three phone transfers without an issue. So I get it. I'm an outlier. I don't know. I just attract terribleness or something like that. So congratulations to you. And turns out ninety-nine percent of the world, except Frank. Now that that being said, before but you know, I always I gave it a few days before I took over the phone, and I did do an iCloud backup uh, uh, for her photos, and that took twelve hours to sync all of the yeah. photos. So, and yeah. honestly, it's only nineteen gigs of data. So, Apple, I don't know what's up on your side, but that is slow. Okay, um, in mm-hmm. general, I'm just saying I can upload nineteen gigs in like you know a few minutes. It's yeah. really not that much. Anyways, so then it was mine because here is the problem is. Everybody else probably that you just described was in the situation that they're not on developer betas and previews, but I am, Frank. So I went (laughs) through the magical phase, which is I said, okay, well, it says do an iCloud backup. That'll take 10 to 15 minutes or do the local sync, which I was like, I've never done that. I want to try it out. And they're like, it'll take 20 minutes. It'll take longer than an (laughs) iCloud backup. But I was like, okay, fine, I'll I'll do it." it. And it's just like the Apple Watch where you scan the little kind of crazy QR thingy that's spinning. And then it goes through a wonderful process. I really enjoy it where it, it it kind of just walks you through. What do you want to sync and transfer over? You don't have to log into anything. It's just really seamless. It's even more seamless than the iCloud backup because you have to re-log in and do all this stuff. It's, it's so seamless. It's so cool. 
but then I got to a part which was, uh, your other phone is on a developer preview and this is not. Would you like to continue Uh-oh. the developer preview or not continue the developer preview? So I said, let's, <laughs> I, so I, so here's the thing. Uh, Apple d- actually decided for me because I said, I said, let's not do the developer preview. Let's opt out. Mm-hmm. This is already on 16.1. Let's opt out. And then I went to opt out and it was like, no, you must upgrade to the developer preview. There, like, there was a button that says opt out and it's like, cool, time to install the developer preview. And I was like, what? wait, no. And then I was like, okay, maybe I'll try yes. And it's like, let's install. And then I was like, wait, let me go back. And I'm like, no, opt out. And it's like, no, you're installing this beta. So <laughs> I was like, okay, let's install it, which took almost about 30, 40 minutes. And then the rest of it was super smooth, Frank. I'm not even gonna lie. Literally that mm. process, every single application, 100, like almost I would say 80% of my apps were already logged in because of the iCloud keychain. It was yeah. it was flawless and perfect. And I was like, wow, Apple. I do think it took a little bit long, in my opinion, because of the upgrade process. But I got to say, I then went and did it on two more devices that didn't have developer previews, and it was buttery smooth under 20 minutes. And I was like, mind blown 100%. Just really good. So Apple, hats off to you because I got to say, for me, not for Frank and Heather, it was perfect. <laughs> I okay look in the past I've done the phone to phone transfer thing and it, I I think it is pretty reliable and it's a tiny bit slow and the worst part of it is your phones are kind of useless during that time yes. so you can't be dual yes. phoning or anything like I think that's the largest downside but given that I was having that terrible iCloud backup experience that seems fine to me and yeah. it's funny what you said about the keychain cuz you were talking about that two factor stuff and uh, not to throw any mega corporation, trillion dollar corporations under the bus, but I was using the Google Authenticator back mm. in the day where it had zero backup options. And oh, the yeah. worst part is it didn't even use Keychain. You know, you, you would think like, come on, Google, it's like four APIs. You you can learn at Google. You're all PhDs. You're really smart. You can do it. And they still wouldn't use Keychain. So I had a terrible experience years ago where my backup didn't restore my authenticator stuff. And then I got mm-hmm. logged out of a billion websites. And it was, you know, I started mm-hmm. having to send in photographs of my driver's license to get back into websites. And so I said, A, two-factor authentication is a pyramid scheme. B, I'm never using Google's again. But <laughs> C, I think they actually have fixed that because you just said you were able to back up to iCloud. So that that's cool. Maybe I'll try it again. But um, I'm, I don't know. Sorry, I got off on a side tangent there. I'm, I'm glad your phone to phone worked. But did your authenticator stuff go or do you not use any of those for your authenticator? Well, overall, you know, I use Google Authenticator. Now, it doesn't do an iCloud backup, but it does do a QR code transfer, which is better as long as you have the devices. But if you don't have the device, then it's a bummer. But it does work. I also have Microsoft Authenticator for my Microsoft accounts. And I think you can add any account onto it, too. And that does do an iCloud backup. And that worked really flawless. Yeah, good. Okay, so I got to catch up with the times and get up to date. Okay, great. I think uh, given my iCloud backup experience, I'm going to follow you next time. Yeah, device to device. What can go wrong? Nothing can go wrong. It's perfect. Apple made it. Okay, here we go. Let's get in. We spent too much time on that. Sorry, folks. Yeah. So we're going to (laughs) go into it. Next one. This will be a short one because I don't know how much else we have. Let's talk about the Twitter takeover. It's official. Dogecoin spiked. Uh, I sold some. Not going to lie. Elon (laughs) has walked in with, I don't understand. Maybe I'm just too old for for like Elon dad jokes or meme jokes or something, but I don't understand the sync and let's like let that sink in. Like I don't, 
I don't get it, Frank. I don't understand the humor in anything. But uh, any yeah. thoughts here on uh, the Twitter takeover recommendations? If you've for for Elon, if you could talk to him right now. Honest, uh, oh, recommendations for Elon. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> you know, I feel like a terrible human being because I f- feel like I'm the only person on the planet that doesn't have a strong opinion on Elon. Look, large corporation owner, rich people from rich families. I decided somewhere where I was 18 years old to not give one darn care about those people or what they do or what they say. So I I feel a little bit bad because I'm a little bit checked out, but my only opinion is, no, I'm not going to leave Twitter. I don't, you know, all businesses are run by terrible people, if we're all honest. And so I really just kind of don't care. But uh, I know some people have very strong opinions and they're leaving the platform and they're going to Mastodon things and that's not going to last for very long. They'll be back on Twitter. I will say the hardest part is, you know how people like to make a big deal about when they're quitting Twitter and I've just been inundated for the last two weeks about people quitting Twitter and I'm just so over it. So my recommendation to Elon is it's kind of like that Neelai Neelai Patel article uh, from The Verge, I believe. Uh, You got yourself into a tough situation here, buddy. Um, Honestly, I wish him luck. Uh, I love Twitter. I think it's a fantastic platform, but it's definitely riding that edge between freedom of discussion making ad money, keeping it a safe place where people can be themselves without being harassed. I think those are all incredibly important issues. Honestly, I hadn't seen Twitter being that proactive about any of that kind of stuff. So maybe new management will help. I do feel bad that Silicon Valley companies are going to be downsized. People making six-figure salaries and overinflated companies are going to be downsized. Oh boy, I just opened a can of worms there. But it's hard for me to give one whit of care for a large Silicon Valley company. I guess that's my stand. I think when it comes, I think the, the Neelai Patel article, which I read today is called welcome to hell, Elon, um, <laughs> which is like, I agree. It's a really good yeah. article and, and about the intertwined and some recommendations. And, you know, he calls it, you break it, you buy it. And you, you know, it, it is a great article. I'll make sure it's linked in the show notes. Uh, for everyone to read, but that kind of like summarizes a lot of what I think. And I, I don't have, I know a few people at work at Twitter uh, in general. I hope that everything, you know, fingers crossed, you know, you know, I know there's, uh, he's going to, they're going to be laying some people off and doing some stuff. I don't yeah. know, you know, and see how that never good. rolls out. But I, I will say this. I do think that the core of Twitter that I prefer, which is the the main feed and having conversations, there could be a lot of work to notifications and one-on-one correspondence and meshes. Like, I would love that fixed up. But besides that, they have rolled out a lot of new features that like I think are good, but like I'm not really sure. Like I'm not really sure how the communities are really working or the Twitter circles or other stuff. So, you know, I'm yeah. I I hope that there can be some uh, thing but or or just don't change anything like also that would work well, too you know i mean the deal with a social network and maybe i'm just an old 90s internet kid here but the social network is made up by the users we yes. dictate what is going on on twitter True. elon can mm-hmm. spend all the money he wants but it's us it's it's us who choose how we're going to act on there what we're going to talk about who we're going to tolerate you know it's it's really a community-driven thing. And so I find it a little odd that people think that the owner of some public company has any control 
over the networking effects. Sure, he's going to allow on a bunch of people you disagree with. Yes, that's going to happen. And it's unfortunate. And it, it can become a, a more disgusting place. But it's a reflection of the community. Elon isn't making it a disgusting place. We are. (laughs) The users are. So I think that if we stay cordial, if we stay kind to each other, if we stay compassionate, Twitter can remain or (laughs) become that, whichever perspective you have. Um, But it's, it's not his decision. It's ours. Yeah. And I mean, to the next point, right, which is our next topic that I think actually dovetails off of this is dovetails that's the saying right i guess i don't actually know a dovetail but i assume it rolls or something well it's a carpentry thing it's how you join two pieces so i i always assumed it was a reference to the carpentry thing of joining two pieces together oh there we go that's good enough so this will dovetail off that which is you know i think that in social networks there's other things happening in other social networks where i had a lot of earnings this week and obviously meta is of of topic and i don't really necessarily want to talk about meta we can but I do think that of interest is to your point earlier, which is like people are maybe thinking about going to other platforms and there's tons of other social you know, networks out there. Right. But to me, the problem that I have right now with the metaverse or some of these other platforms is the reason that I go to those these social networks and the ones that I'm specifically on are YouTube and Twitter is because of the network that is there of the of the people. Right. It's it's. Yeah. It takes a long time to get a mass amount of sticky users on a platform. And the, the sticky is the is the key word, right? And obviously Facebook has tons of users, but my friends did not become sticky and they all sort of left, right? So it would be kind of sad if, if uh, and I left too, is if, is if we all sort of try to, uh, you know, abandon uh, Twitter. Now we, we could, but like, and same thing with the metaverse is like, I don't even know what the metaverse is going to offer me yet because... I'd have to have so many people on there and a reason to go on there. So I guess the topic of discussion here is for the the next gen social, right? What <laughs> is it and how do we integrate oh. into that? Well, well, James, I can tell you what they offer you. They offer you legs. You can have legs now. <laughs> It's it's tricky, you know. Uh, this gets back to that argument that John Carmack uh, goes back to also with versus Zuckerberg. John Carmack says, create a cool, fun place for people to hang out in, and then people will hang out in that place. Yeah. Facebook is going the opposite of route of let's create a very boring place that's not at all interesting, and we will try to get people to go there. It's it's a gutsy way, you know. Usually, I try to attract people. Network effects are incredibly hard. I was lucky; I I got to be um, around some of the early social networks and got to watch a bunch uh, succeed and fail. A roommate of mine was starting a social network just when MySpace was bought by rich. Fox corporate guy. I don't even remember who it was. But uh, at the time, they were buying up all the social networks and social networks were the big thing. And all those big investors lost all their money. And I found it hilarious because social networks are very difficult to create. Sticky people. It's got to be a place you want to be. There's got to be people that are interesting there. It's got to be a fun place to spend time. It's got to waste all your time. You know, it's got to be a little bit addictive and all that kind of stuff. And writing on a whiteboard, I'm going to create an addictive social network is impossible, period, full stop. 
People with lots of money have tried to do it. Apple's tried to do it how many times? Google's tried to do it how many times? So it's a good proof that money is irrelevant in this world. Uh, There is something else. There is a cachet you need by the user community. TikTok took off, and I think people are still scratching their head why TikTok in particular took off. And so I'd say predicting the next social network is really difficult. Will it be in the metaverse? It doesn't matter. There's the whole thing about um, the medium is the message, but I don't think that applies anymore. I think the internet broke that. I think the internet made communication so easy that you have to find those secondary effects that cause the network effect where you get that exponential growth. And just running on a whiteboard, I'm going to do this or that, and that's going to draw these people in. That's not how it works. That's not how humans work. That's not how you establish the cool new hangout. And you have to specifically create that area that that people want to go to, like you're talking about, like Carmack was sort of talking about, that people create rich, engaging content that others want to consume. And I think that's where TikTok yeah. probably has taken off. Now, I don't understand TikTok, but I think of YouTube, right? <laughs> If YouTube was just, and the algorithm itself for YouTube was bad and the content was bad, then I wouldn't be there, right? I wouldn't watch things on YouTube, right? It has to appeal to me. There has to be creators out there. And the network, which is YouTube, has to incentivize and create it and make it a great experience for content creators, right? To, To continue to create content and allow new content creators to come in. And, and make those connections really elegant. And obviously, you know, YouTube and Twitter are very two different networks, but they do take, you know, people creating rich, engaging tweets that people want to engage with and comment on and do other things, or on the flip side, make it so that people do want to come to that network to hear about different things or different type of things in their network and the engine works at the same time. And I sort of fail to see a little bit of right now, at least in my mind, uh, of how some of these other newer networks or even the metaverse can kind of play into that. Cause I was on a, a call with, uh, you know, a lawyer recently. And I was like, mm-hmm. I, we were talking this on our drive today. I was like, I don't know how that call could have been enhanced. You know, if I was, <laughs> if I'm in it. And then I started talking about ready player one. I talked about this whole thing, like schooling. And we talked about a lot of scenarios where like actually metaverse could be cool and help out. Imagine a scenario where, you know, not every school can have teachers that teach every subject, but you could have kids in the metaverse or in some verse, or I guess on a Teams or Zoom call to, to do that type of stuff. And you can have these remote mm-hmm. sessions. So I, again, I, I'm not sure because, you know, when I think of the video game aspect of it, the reason I played World of Warcraft for so long was because of the world that they created. That I mean, to me, that was a yeah. metaverse at some point, right? It just wasn't me. I created my own avatar which was my character that I played, but I stayed there because the rich and story that was, I was engaged with the new content that was added. And then additionally, the network of friends that were there that was ever growing, um, for many, many years. And it was very impressive. You know, I think that's the closest thing that I can think of is MMO is the closest thing that I can think of in the metaverse or the next generation of social network that can come about it. But additionally, my big gripe, and I'm going to say it again, I don't want to wear a headset. For eight hours. Like, I don't, you know, that's my thing. So that's the struggle I have. Well, it's funny because we had video conferencing for so long and (laughs) it's been around forever. But you know what it took to make it popular? COVID. 
a pandemic. Yeah. Mm. I, I avoided video conferencing software forever. And then a pandemic happened and all of a sudden it was all we had. So we all tried it out. We all figured out how to install the software. Zoom took off. Microsoft Teams took off. Discord took off. And then we all got the video conferencing itch. And I will say like video is better than audio because you get the personal cues. You can look at someone's face. You can see whether they're bored, (laughs) they twiddling their hair, things like that. And the problem is the metaverse now has to compete with video calling. And it took us how many years to get people comfortable with video conferencing. And I feel like we're going to have to go through that same thing with the metaverse and that's why i'm on the john carmack side and your side like i would rather be an orc running around a jungle talking about the next software sprint that we're doing rather than in a virtual conference room in a virtual tan room with ugly carpeting you know it's just i don't get the idea of them making a lower fidelity video conference because that's what it is it's a low fidelity video call there has to be something more enticing there. And that's not a social network. The other thing about social networks is that they're asynchronous. Video Mm. calls and the metaverse are synchronous. You have to be present. You have to be there. Sure, you can watch some old things in the past, but I would rather watch an actual recording of actual meaty, fleshy human beings than some ugly avatar some artists were forced to draw. I agree. So many thoughts on this. This might be an entire episode, but let's take a quick break and thank our sponsor this week, our good friends over at Syncfusion. Listen, are you building the next amazing social network or the next metaverse? Well, they got you covered because they give you the world's best UI components for building any type of application, even if it's not a social network and if it's not the metaverse. If you're just building an app and you want to display some amazing data and want to have really beautiful widgets and gadgets and all the things that your applications could ever need, like schedulers and diagrams and data grids and charts and graphs and all those things, Syncfusion has you covered. It's absolutely astonishing. I use Syncfusion in nearly all my applications because they support everything, whether it's on the web with Blazor or ASP.NET Core or Angular or Reactor View or mobile with .NET MAUI, Flutter, Xamarin, UWP, JavaScript, or desktop apps with WPF, WinUI. Anything, UWP, WinForms, they got you covered. They have awesome data processing things. You got to check out Syncfusion at syncfusion.com forward slash merge conflict. That is syncfusion.com forward slash merge conflict to give it a try for free, free trial. It's amazing. Go check it out at syncfusion.com forward slash merge conflict. Thanks to Syncfusion for sponsoring this week's pod. Boom. Cool. <laughs> um, Thank quick you, one Syncfusion. Here. Yeah. Wait, no, uh, I have to say, I think I would almost prefer a social network from Syncfusion. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, quick one here. Give me your two-minute review of Ventura. Oh, Ventura. They, they, they moved where the fish are. That's the phrase, right? Um, the You know what? 99%, it's fine. 1%, they moved where things are, and that's always annoying. Uh, my father and I both had to try to figure out where the scanning option is for your multi-connected, multifunctional printers. And they moved where the button is, and we had to go read the documentation to find out where it is. Now, I think GUIs should be a little more intuitive than that. I don't feel like I should have to read an Apple knowledge-based article in order to use a scanner that's been attached to my <laughs> computer, and I've gotten to the scanner the same way for the last 10 years as I always have. But, but... 
Um, I would say overall, it's fine. It's fine. I, I was nervous about the upgrade, but I finally dove in and it's been fine. There's my two, two minutes. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm like two versions back. I'm really bad at updating. My Are Mac you? OS. Yeah. I, I oh, come on. Know. Okay. So they've done good things. I think we, even way back in Catalina, they were doing all the arguments of this isn't going to work and that's not going to work in the future. So I have been slowly migrating all my software to make sure it's compatible, all my drivers, all that kind of stuff. And Ventura keeps updating, upping that ante in that fewer things work. Isn't that wonderful? Every upgrade yeah. of the OS, fewer things work. Isn't it, That's what I got into computers for. I'm sure that's why you got into them too. But um, the changes that they made aren't actually so bad. It's gotten a bit of flack for uh, becoming a little bit iOS-y. Like the notification system is very reminiscent of iOS in that you get a notification and it's like, should I keep sending these notifications or should I turn these off? That's nice. Uh, I think... The version before Ventura really screwed up notifications. I think that was a low point in notification systems. Whereas Ventura, honestly, they feel a lot better. I haven't really had any compatibility problems. I hate how they changed the word preferences to settings. Settings are things that you change on hardware to make them work. Preferences customize them to my preferred way to work. So I don't like them conflating them. I like it when preferences were preferences. It's not not right or wrong. It's non-judgmental, you know? But now it's judgmental because now there's settings. Now it's the right way or the wrong way. And it's no longer does this user prefer it this way or that way. It's a minor thing, but hey, y'all, <laughs> go check your apps, whether it says settings or preferences, if you're compiling against the new SDK. I'll go give that a look. I do need to update. I have no reason not to update, to be honest with you. I just haven't done it. It just hasn't been in my face enough. And I do think that I'm spoiled by just like Windows updates that just like kind of happen. I was like, it's happening. It's like, okay, cool. Where, you know, I feel like Mac OS and iOS are just kind of, all right, like if you really want to, like, which is very nice. Also, both of them are, both of them are correct and both of them are fine. But I find myself updating Windows way more often than I do my Mac machine. And I feel like I need to correct that in 2023. That's going to be my goal for 2023. So, um, yeah. So I'll just end in saying Ventura, thumbs up. Uh, I'm running it on an M1.NET is still running fine. I'm running 6.0401, something like that. And it runs fine. No, no big problems there. But if you do have some old software, Apple's really cracking down. <laughs> <laughs> Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, cool. Here's one for us that kind of leads into even more Apple goodness, which is the USB C takeover, Frank. I don't know if you know, <laughs> but the EU passed some regulation that says, listen, USB C must be standardized. Goodbye, lightning cable. I have to Oof. say, Frank, right mm-hmm. now I am powering my laptop off of an anchor USB C hub, which has USB. I'm sorry, HDMI out. It has USB-C power. And then additionally, I have a USB hub attached to it, which has my microphone, my webcam, my mouse and keyboard off of one USB-C cable. And all of that is flawless. Okay. I'm just saying it's all working magically. And I, I, I watched the Craig Federighi interview uh, where they were talking about the differences like New York times or whatever. It was like USB-C and lightning cable. 
and I thought Craig actually brought a good point because I am not anti lightning cable until I am in my vehicle or I'm somewhere where <laughs> I only have a USB C cable. And I was like, dang it. Like, for example, I w- we rented a car recently when we were driving and it was a newer car and the input. So this was kind of, I was like, I'm a car play. I was like, I want to give me the car play enabled car. Yeah. And I was like, cool. I have my, I have my, I, this is so stupid. I hate it. Um, it's because this is what the EU is forgetting is that <laughs> I got into the car and I was so excited. And then what was the input for the car USB-C? I just thought it would be normal USB, like every single car I've ever been in, but there's only two USB-C ports and I didn't have that cord. I just had my standard lightning cable, USB 2.0 mm. or 3.0. Luckily, Heather had one. And Craig Federighi in the interview said that Apple believes in general that to give choice and have innovation to this stuff, the connector to the wall warts or the connector to the car, the connector to the thing is more important than what plugs into the device. And I thought that was interesting because they want to trim down on the wall wart, you know, scenario. But if the wall wart takes a standardization, there's that because, you know, this thing doesn't do it. But I I just didn't know if you had any, you know, um, input thoughts, regulations here. Is that a pun? I don't approve of puns. Input? Um, Input. (laughs) I I am 100% USB-C camp. Love it. I hate governments regulating this kind of stuff. I don't think that's the position they should be in. I think governments are there to keep the lions out of the city, and they shouldn't be doing anything else than that. Keep the lions out, and that's your job. That said, um, I, I'm going on this trip, and I'm trying to pack for it. And I'm like, <laughs> could I be <laughs> could I be 100% USB-C? I, I said on the last episode, I'm taking my laptop. The laptop is USB-C. I do have the fancy dongle like you. They're 20 bucks. Mine's from QGEEM. I don't know Perfect. how you're supposed to pronounce that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's 20 bucks, and they all look the same, and it's cute. And I can do all the USB-Cing through that. The thing is, um, yeah, my Apple Watch is still USB-A. It was fun because I, I got to take an inventory of, like, what's left? It's it's my Apple Watch charger is USB-A. I'm sure I could buy a new one. And that was it. Aside from you and I, I still carry around a beautiful travel microphone so I can make this wonderful podcast. And that <laughs> that requires a uh, micro USB connection. And I'm pretty sure there are, in fact, USB-C to micro USB adapters. Uh, I just hadn't bought one. But I was surprised at just how many devices I could uh, get by with just USB-C. Now, part of that is when you get the new phone, it comes with a USB-C to lightning adapter. So that's good. I've been making the transition. But to be thoroughly honest, it's going to be a tough one going from Lightning to USB-C because every hotel has Lightning. Mm. Everyone's home clock, everyone's chargers and that is Lightning. So I don't think it's going to be a very fast uh, transition. But I think it's okay. I'm willing to go along with the transition and ditch the Lightning adapter or cable plug whichever part, but there's still exceptions. And I feel like those exceptions are going to hang around for a long time. It is really hard because I, I think it has to be on both ends because what I want to do inherently is carry around 
one cable, right? Even for <laughs> my my Apple Watch, it would be great if if it took a USB-C input right into yeah. it or had USB-C out on the other end either way. But really the USB-C to USB-C is really what I want because I just got a new, these new Anchor, I've been buying a lot of Anchor products recently, but new Anchor webcams and they actually have a USB-C in the back, but the cable they come with is USB-C to USB 2.0, right? Now, the nice yeah. part there is that I could put in a USB-C to USB-C, right? So if everything takes USB-C, I'm in control of the other end of the, of the stick there, right? Whereas right now, I'm having to worry about a bunch of different things at the end there for, for at least the input. So even on the Apple Watch uh, example, right? It's like you don't have access. You, whatever they give you is what they give you unless you have a dongle adapter, which, you know, it's just, it's hard. So the ideal scenario yeah. I have, which I think is going to be a long ways off is USB-C on all sides and only USB-C inputs because why not, you know? And then again, that means yeah. all the legacy stuff that I have is going to have to upgrade. Like I just bought these new, you know, Amazon basics, mouse and keyboards, you know, for the, for on the road or whatever. And they're all normal USB, you know what I mean? And mm. the USB hub yeah. I bought is a USB hub to a USB hub. And you're like, okay, <laughs> like, I hope that there's enough bandwidth here, but you know, you know, that's the other part too. So I just think it's interesting, but I do think I, that it's going to force Apple and we're not going to see lightning anymore. I think it's going to be gone. But it's even more awkward than that because I mean, people brought up interesting points. What are you going to do for the Apple pencil? So now the Apple pencil needs to be USB-C, uh, no more little adapter. I mean, you're supposed to magnet charge it or whatever, but you know what? I love it when the Apple pencil sticking out of random ports. It's hilarious. I, it makes me smile and laugh. Uh, maybe more on point, though, the AirPods Pro uh, that I just bought, they're a lightning connector. And so those little things would have to convert over to USB-C also. I'm pretty sure that's not something Europe is regulating. But why in the world would Apple put a lightning connector on the AirPods Pro when everything else is USB-C? So if they yeah. switch the phones over, they're going to have to switch over all these accessories too. And I know that wasn't within the purview of Europe, but again, they don't really think ahead in the future. They don't really think about any other problems. <laughs> and so when they're mandating what's going to be connecting to phones, I don't think they're thinking about all the collateral damage that's going to happen too. So all of a sudden, now I'm going to have to carry around a lightning charger for my stupid AirPods. Yes, yes, I should be charging everything wirelessly. Sure. But we're not there yet either. And you know what? I always forget to charge things. I want them to charge fast and you need a cable to charge things fast. Tesla That's wasn't true. that smart. So it, it's just a little bit awkward. Like, yay, go Europe forcing us to switch over. But I don't know. Did you did you really think about my convenience or did you think about what's going to get you reelected? I'm, I'm really curious because you know what? Politicians are terrible people and they don't actually care about you. They may say they do, but they don't. And with that topic, let's talk about Apple ads inside of the App Store, <laughs> uh, because, you know, we've been able to buy ads. You know, if you search for a product in the App Store, an app, you can buy those little search ads and they come up right at the top. Um, and I always thought that was fine. That was one way of uh, getting a little bit of revenue, a little, little way of Apple taking more than 30% from us. Uh, you know, you know it's getting <laughs> a little bit back as optional, as optional. However, mm. Frank, something has recently changed in the app store because they've expanded where those ads show up and, and where Frank do those ads show up? 
Well, James, those ads show up right on your app's product page. Oh, my God. Why are they putting ads on my product page? Can I have one place to myself, Apple? One place where I can dictate how things look and what the words are and all that kind of stuff? The answer is no. No, you may not. No, ads are everywhere. High capitalism. And this one made news. It was kind of interesting. Um, I'm not even sure I agreed with everyone on this, but people saw uh, casinos and gambling showing up next to their ads and they have a moral, ethical, philosophical argument against those being on theirs and they thought it was pretty trashy of Apple and I I think it's ultra trashy of Apple to be putting a bunch of casino ads next to my app. I get it. The, The web is a horrendous place where no software developers should work because it's a disgusting maelstrom of ads But I thought, you know, native, the app store, we could keep one place of serenity, one place of beautiful, I don't have to deal with blinking things telling me to spend money. But no, it turns out the future of humanity in app stores is Las Vegas, and capitalism has run amok, and Apple doesn't seem to give one wit about it, except they do, and we'll get to that. Ads, 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 ads everywhere. And, you know, there's two problems even with the original search ads is that even for some companies, they would buy ads. It's kind of like Google ads, right? Where a lot of companies would buy ads to be on the top, even if someone Googles their company. So if you were to Google, you know, um, uh, Google, Google would have ads (laughs) to make sure they're there. In fact, there's a photo on this Gizmodo article, which is, uh, Airbnb, which is the number one ad, if you search for Airbnb <laughs> and right underneath it is Airbnb, right? And this happens all the time on, Go- on Google. Oh you see it and any other search engine. Yeah. I just want to call Google out. But you, any search engine, you go and you search for something and there's like two listings and one's the ads and one's not the ad. And I I always, I'd say oh, and 95% of the time, I will always try to not click the ad button because I don't. I am searching for the thing. I don't need... Oh. You know, I don't want them to, to make money off of that. I, I specifically go underneath it. But yeah, to me, this is a little bit. I mean, to me, they show up in the bottom under suggested. You got to scroll pretty far down. I would love to know statistics of how far people are scrolling down there. Mm, but mm. I would say this. Hey, Apple, at least show ads that are, you know, in the wheelhouse category for the <laughs> app. Because I know Overcast um, came out and they were talking about taking a bunch of screenshots of, of it. Right. And every once in a while, the suggested ones would be other podcast apps, but then it would be like <laughs> dating apps and it'd be poker apps. And you're like, wow, this is not cool. Trashy. It's gross. It's, it's, it, you're buying a premium product and you expect a premium service. Unfortunately, someone at Apple decided that these are okay. Ads are okay. I, I, I just don't like it. You know, I don't do ad-based apps for one very simple reason. I hate ads. I don't mm-hmm. want ads around my apps. I think it's gross. Um, that said, I, me personally, I don't have any real philosophical problems against like casinos or any of that. You know, if, if mm-hmm. people want to blow their money, blow your money. But um, I do agree that app developers should have a little bit of say. You know, if... I. I I wish I could say, don't show ads on mine. I wish I could say, don't show ads to me at all, Apple. Um, These search ads, 
the, the search ads are terrible because it, all, ads are one of those funny things where the more money you have, the more money you can make. And so mm-hmm. you can keep feeding money into ads. And if you have decent ads, you should get revenue for those ads. That gives you more money to put into ads. And all of a sudden you're a casino running pyramid schemes and all that kind of stuff. And it's just a little sad to see Apple giving into that. Apple is a rich company. They make bazillions of dollars off of their services. And when Apple says services, what they actually mean is the App Store. That's where Apple makes all of its money, all of its services money. And it's just a little bit gross to see all the growth hacking culture and all that stuff. Like, it's capitalism. I get it. But when is enough enough? Like, does this, do we really have to get to the apocalyptic, uh, back to the future, future <laughs> where these things are all over? We're going to, you know, am I going to put on the Apple VR headset and get gambling ads whenever I'm trying to see what the weather is? It may sound bad, but you know what? I bet you in 10 years I will. Uh, and Microsoft is guilty of this. You buy Windows 10 or 11. You don't buy it, I guess. I don't, I don't even know how you get Windows these days. But you are paying a tax. When, <laughs> when you buy a computer, you are paying a Microsoft tax to get Windows on it. But the tax isn't high enough that they'll still, they still give you ads. And so I saw this when Microsoft started putting ads in the start menu. I was like, well, that's trashy. Thank goodness I'm a Mac user. And then all of a sudden ads start showing up in the app store. And I'm just like, okay, this is the future, I guess. Yeah, so, there's, the, there's like the <laughs> pre-installed recommended things. It used to just be all this stuff. I, I, I'm against that. In fact, I just updated to like iOS 16.2 and like a new app appeared. And I was like, what is this? Like, I, give me an option at least. Hey, do you want to install this thing? Blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, this is this is of time because as a YouTube content creator, I have control over this stuff. Same with AdWords and ad things. If you have, if you use Google, you know, in AdWords and AdSense, you have control over this. So for example, inside of Google AdSense, which is the thing that you connect to your YouTube when you play ads, there are general categories and sensitive categories. And guess Hmm. what? Sensitive tech categories, they pay more money because they're sensitive categories because those people for dating apps and get rich quick, they pay more money. But I have a bunch of those blocked. Like there's restricted, Hmm. there's other stuff I have is you can block up to 15 and I have like almost all of them blocked there. And then I even went into general categories and I said, oil and gas companies, sorry, you don't get to, to, you know, you know, all this other stuff. I watch (laughs) some other channels. I see what they block and there's some discourse on there and I can, I drill down, right? I can say, I can say banking, right? I can say, I don't want stuff on debit and credit cards. Boom, turn it off. Right. So how can I get a granular control maybe of what's showing up on or what I'm doing here? I don't know. Just then it's my listing. Well, they own it, the store, I guess, but still. Uh, do they do they that's the image you provided that's the text you provided for an app that you wrote you know i almost feel like apple should be giving you a cut of those ads if they want to put an ad on my page i attracted someone to my page with my Mm -hmm. witty app name and my witty app subtitle my gorgeous icon i attracted someone there i want the revenue for that I don't think all these other people should be doing it. So you know what? If they did that, then I'm interested. Then I can choose which ads are shown on my pages. Maybe I'll even help start promoting those kinds of things. You know, Apple, it's, you know what it is? It's the simplicity and the naivety of it. 
It's they didn't build a sophisticated system like that. They don't want to do a profit share because that's not what they're doing. They're growth hacking. They're they're trying to make their big bucks. But so they didn't do that. They're just going to take it all. And yeah, I'm sure we signed developer agreements. I'm sure Apple owns literally everything I create. But they don't. Let's let's talk philosophy here. That's mine. That is all from me. If I hadn't created that, they wouldn't have it. Therefore, I should be getting a cut of that revenue. I think that's, in the end, I guess I am an ultra capitalist. (laughs) I love it. I love this philosophy. I'm all about it. And I think on that note, we should end this podcast, Frank. (laughs) Go Bills. (laughs) I love these lightning rounds. We get to have the uh, most interesting discussions and all that stuff. Honestly, it's a lot like our own personal conversations. We just jump around in topics and all that stuff. And then whenever I'm getting passionate, you're just like, and that's good. Let's (laughs) let's stop talking. Uh, This was fun. Thanks, James. I love it. If you have lightning topics or other things you want us to talk about in the podcast, go to mergeconflict.fm. There's a contact button. You can hit us up on Twitter. We can do all the things. Let us know. We also have a Patreon page where we're going to be putting out exclusive. We do almost every single week. Not this week because when we're traveling, we don't do it. But we put out (laughs) different uh, bonus behind the scenes episodes as well. You can find that at mergeconflict.fm. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace.